You believe it, my friends? You believe there's power in the name of Jesus? There is. There is hope, there is healing, and there is help, and there is shelter, and there is deliverance, but there is salvation, and there's no salvation in any other name than the name of Jesus Christ. So go ahead and have a seat. Let's open up the Word of God together in 1 John chapter 5. As we, uh, as I attempt to close this sermon out, Living in Victory, we started it last week, and um, I hope you're okay with doing what we're doing. I hope you're okay with, like, sitting in the present. Um, we are a powerful force, my friends. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are the living, breathing church of Jesus Christ. And we all, the, all of us who call on the name of the Lord, all of us who have Christ as our Savior, possess his Holy Spirit. The powerful Holy Spirit is inside of each one of us. And when we pray, and when we release the word, and when we open our mouths and proclaim the gospel, there is power and help that goes out from us. And so I hope you're okay with us just... When things are happening in the world, we're just going to stop and pray through it, and we're going to stop and talk about it and try to figure out how we can be a help. And so I would encourage us, keep on praying for all the situations that are happening in the world. Keep up to date with them. Um, let me know if you hear of, of something that's happening out there. Um, that's how I found out this morning about Asbury College University and all that's going on there. How awesome is that? But also, if you know of ways that we can help um, in a practical way as a congregation, and you've got connections somehow, please let us know how we can jump in and get involved. All right, we're talking about living in victory in 1 John 5, and this is what we read last week. In verse 1 of 1 John 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And what we talked about is the fact that John is declaring to us that if you have believed in who Jesus is, not just believe in Jesus, but believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, and as a result have been born of God, then you will love the Father, and if you love the Father, then you will love his kids as well. And the first truth that we learned last week about all of this is that loving God equals loving others. There is no loving God without loving others in an ever-increasing manner. Those two things go hand in hand. In fact, a true test of an authentic child of God who possesses a real faith in Christ the Messiah is a genuine love for other people. Not just the church. It's for all people. We talked about even the most difficult of us to love. We love them because we're part of God, because we love God. Loving God equals loving others. These two things are inseparable. You can't get them apart. The bond is permanent. If you are truly in Christ, the bond is permanent. This is how we know who the real Christians are. In fact, this, this thing right here about loving others is how the real Christians stand up. Verse two, he says this. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to obey his commands. And you're like, wait a minute. If you're like me, when I was reading, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you just said loving God is loving his kids. Now something different is happening. Well, this is how you know that you love the children of God. How do we know that we love the children of God? Because we love God. Well, I, yeah, I know. We already said that. But here's how. 
by carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God if you obey his commands. So John is now flipping the narrative on us because he wants to take us to a whole nother deeper level to this truth right here that loving others equals obeying God's commands. I want you to keep in mind that all of these truths that we're looking and working through today, they're all inseparable. You can't get them apart if you're truly in Christ. This one, loving others, equals obeying God's command. And I want you to remember what kind of love we're talking about. Remember when I put it on the board here, the different kinds of love? We're talking about agape love. We're talking about selfless, self-sacrificing, you before me, unconditional, lifetime love. And you can go all through scripture. First John's been full of it. And we, we went through all that last week, which I showed you how all the way through the book, he's saying, love people, love people, love people. Love one another and love people outside the body. If you're truly in Christ, this is what will characterize you. But we have been commanded to love. It's just not, this is what comes natural because it doesn't come natural. It's hard. We've got to put the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives in order to love the way that God wants us to love here. What comes natural to us, my friends? Come on, what comes natural? Selfishness comes natural. Self-serving comes natural. That's what comes natural to us. And so we're working against the natural and going into the supernatural. And there are commands given in Scripture, but I want to just pick two out because I believe these two are foundational to this whole thing about love. If you can understand the concept that Paul is speaking to us in Philippians and in 1 Corinthians, then we will understand what it is and what we're being called to because we need to understand what, our, what the command is and what we actually are being called to. Philippians chapter two, I'm not gonna have you turn there, okay, because you know this, but I just want to bring to you the foundation. This is what Paul said. Do not, this is the command. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Instead, consider others better than yourselves. There's the command. How we doing? Do nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain. This is the foundation of agape love. This is what we are commanded to do as children of God, is to love each other in a way that is selfless, considering the needs of others above your own needs. He lays it out for us in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when he says things like this, put on patience and kindness. Drop all the envy, drop all the boasting and the pride. Stop with all the rudeness and selfishness and being so sensitive and short-fused. Stop keeping track and writing down all the things wrong that people have done to you. Instead, we're supposed to rejoice in truth and always protect and always trust and always hope and always persevere. What's he talking about? What do all these things that we're commanded to do, what do they have to do with? Love. So the question is, child of God, if you're truly a child of God and you love God, then you will love other people. And are you obeying his commands to love the way he has required us to love? Are we loving in a way that stretches us? Are we loving in a way that demonstrates sacrifice? This is what God is calling us to. Yeah, but you don't know, Phil. 
how hard it is to love some people in my life. There are some people that are like impossible to love. No amens. <laughs> I think I'll stay silent on that one. Do you agree? You can nod your head. It's quiet if you nod your head. Do you agree? I told you last week, I'm on, I'm on this crazy journey right now. The Lord is just slapping me with this right now in some ways that are just, and he won't let up. Um, remember I told you I had the opportunity of being at the Capitol for the prayer, National Prayer Breakfast last week. And um, I was sitting just just a little ways behind the president. I don't like our president. Don't, just, just, just go with me here. Go with me here, okay? I really, I really don't. I, and I don't like, here's the deal. I, I hate what he's doing to our nation. I hate it. I hate what he's allowing. I hate what he's supporting. I hate what he's campaigning on. And the, the direction he's taking our nation is against. It is, it is opposite of what we were founded on and everything that is right and true that we know is righteous and true. And what that's turning into for me is it's turning into an internal hatred for the person. I just... I'll be real with you, okay? I asked for some advice. Man, should I tell you this? I don't know if I should tell you. I was like... They're going to have, they're going to say something like, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. And he's going to enter the room and there's going to be a standing ovation for him. I have so much disdain inside of me that I'm like, I'm, I'll stand for the office, but I ain't clapping because that is, all that is, is I approve of you and I don't. Um... I got some advice, and so I did, I clapped. I'll explain that to you sometime if you want to hear that, but what the advice was. It made a lot of sense, and it, it was great. So he walks in, and he sits down right there in front of me, and um, in front of us, and um, our president is like a shell of a man. He can barely walk. He... he he, he doesn't know where he's going and he, people have to t you know, take him to places. He's just, like a, he's just like a shell of a man and he just sat there. I watched him. I watched him so much during the hour and a half that the, the, the Secret Service were watching me the whole time. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I wanted to just see what is this man all about and he's just not there. He's just sitting there. He's just not there. He got up to speak and you guys... He's like, he's like a marionette puppet. I mean, he is like, he is just reading off the prompter, the stuff somebody else wrote. And he's just getting it out, getting it out. And, and in the middle of it, he stops and he gets off the prompter and he just looks at us. And he begins speaking out of his heart. He just starts saying, you know what? Why can't we come together? 
You know, there used to be a time when we would just fight like cats and dogs on the floor of the house. And we would just, you would think that we hated each other. But then we would come out of that session and we'd go to the congressional lunchroom and sit and eat and have a great time with each other because we were friends with disagreements on how to run this country. Why can't we do that anymore? He goes, those days are done. Those days are over. We can't even be friends anymore as human beings. In that moment, this came into my head. The Holy Spirit said, Phil, do you love the man? Do you, do you love the people that are in front of you? No matter what their agenda, no matter what they stand for, no matter what they're doing, do you love them? And I was deeply convicted over that. Because I can translate that down into many other people in my world, and so can you. There are people that you disapprove of. There are people that are in your world that are doing things that have hurt you deeply, and they're wicked, evil things. What we are commanded to do is love those people. As hard as it may be, and in the middle of all of that, I'm like, I think there's a verse on here about this. The Holy Spirit's like, look up 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Phil. I've got it on the screen for you. I urge you, Paul says, first of all, this is crazy because I read this and I go, first of all, first of all, first of all. You hear it? Are you hearing it? First of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Ask God to intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Huh? What? It didn't say pray for your Christian brothers and sisters. First of all, pray for all people. And the very next words are these. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that you can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good. And pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone. Are you listening? Are you listening? Is everybody listening? He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Now, hear me loud and clear. This does not mean that we pretend and or deny the truth, that there is truly unwise, harmful, and wicked agendas that are being pushed on us and our entire world all around us. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 6, love doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. But at the same time, I will not withhold my love in the practice of truth. It is our responsibility to love all people and our love that we show them, unconditional, selfless, self-sacrificing, you before me, eternal love, the love of the Father, when we show that love to others, it will draw them. It's, it's shining our light in the world. And we don't know what the power of prayer does. When we pray, we're supposed to pray for these people. I'm supposed to pray for the President of the United States. I have prayed for him 
But it's not the kind of prayers that I'm being convicted to pray for him now. I've been more like, God, get him out of the way. Please get him out of office so we can get our nation back. What God's saying to me in the scripture is, is, is pray and intercede on their behalf. Because God, what's pleasing, that's pleasing to God because he wants all men, everyone on the planet to be saved and to understand the truth. And so my my prayers have changed these days. You know, Jesus was, I lean on the truth part, right? I'm a truther. I'm a truther. Yeah, well, you like are void of empathy and you are like low on grace, you know, and you know, Jesus was like full of grace and full of truth. Lord, help me be more like Jesus to be full of grace and full of truth. We don't, we don't stop speaking the truth, but we speak the truth in love. Because we care about the people, we care about the person, we care about humanity that is all around us that are desperately in need of a savior. And John says in verse three, oh, and by the way, his commands are not burdensome. And you're like, ah, yes, they are. You know, it's not easy. I want to dig deeper into this. What does it mean that his commands are not burdensome? Instead, they're obeying God actually brings victory. That's what we're talking about. Truth number three is this. Obeying God's commands equals overcoming the world. Obeying God's commands equals overcoming the world. Verse four, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You can actually say it this way. Obeying God's commands helps us overcome the world. This is why John says that obeying God is not a burden. Hear me, hear me this way. The more we obey, the more victorious over the world we become. Remember what John said in chapter two, verse 15? He said, do not love the world or anything in the world for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, all those things, they come not from the Father, but from the world. And what his point on that was, if you remember, is don't love this stuff. Everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, every, all of that stuff is anti-God. Don't love that stuff. You are not of the world anymore. You are now in Christ Jesus. Instead, Galatians 5, 16, instead you should be walking by the Spirit and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And I want you to see that once again, these truths are inseparable. Obedience and victory are locked as one. If you are obeying Christ, then you are living victoriously over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life because all the commandments of the Lord Help us to resist all those things that are coming in that are all anti-Christ. Walk in the light of the word and in the power of the Holy Spirit and you will experience victory over your flesh and your desire for the things of the world. Every time I humble myself, every time I ask for forgiveness or reach out for relationship, every time I deny my flesh, 
every time I give to the Lord's work, every time I make the choice to serve or open my mouth to share the gospel, every time we do these things, we are victorious against the world of sin and the more we grow in obedience to his commands, the more we mature and our obedience becomes more of a pleasure than an obligation and thus his commands are not burdensome. We grow up. Aren't you, don't you love it when your kids get to the point where they get beyond the stage of when you say, hey, take out the trash. They're like, why? Why now? Why me? Why not Susie? Because I told you to, that's why. I mean, don't you love it when they get past that and they actually mature? You remember the first time that you're first born? When you actually said, hey, it's time to take out the trash, they say, yes, Father. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Do you remember when, though, that they started to grow up and they started to mature and they're like, yeah, okay, I get it. It's my turn. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, you guys have a lot going on in your families. <laughs> Let me just say it this way. There is joy and there is satisfaction and there is victory. There's a true sense of overcoming my flesh and the lure of the world the more I grow up in obedience to all that the Lord has said. There's no fun. It's not fun being disobedient to the Lord. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but I'm telling you, if you're a true child of God, you're miserable if you're not obedient to the Lord because the Holy Spirit will not let you breathe. If you're not miserable and you can go on disobeying the scriptures and living in sin, then you have a problem, my friends, because the Holy Spirit will convict you and not let you up until you say, okay, Lord, I'm sorry, and your heart will be broken. The more we grow up and mature, it's like the more that I am obedient and an overcomer, it's like I can't wait to do more of it. When's my next opportunity to be obedient and to leave the past and to take off the old and put on the new? Because things are always better and I'm always more blessed when I obey his commands. One author wrote this way, I never look back and wish I could go back and change my obedience choices, but I sure wish I could go back and change my disobedient choices. Anybody wanna say a loud amen to that? I mean, we're all in agreement there. And Proverbs 13, 21 is so clear. Curses chase the wicked, but blessings chase the righteous. It's not a burden. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. So the question, who's the overcomer? Who is the one who prevails? Who is the victor? Who is the one who rises to the top? The answer is the one who obeys God. He says in verse four, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. What does he mean by that? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. What does faith have to do with overcoming the world? Let me explain it like this. Every decision that you and I make will follow one of two paths. You remember? Remember the Y chart that I put up here? 
Okay, so there's this point of decision. Every day we make these decisions right here. I'm either going to do what pleases me or I'm going to obey the Lord and do what pleases him. Got it? Every decision to obey God over the desires of our flesh, I propose to you is a faith decision to believe that God's way is better than our own. Sometimes it doesn't make sense in our own wisdom to follow the things of God and to do what he has asked us to do. Sometimes it's against our discernment. Sometimes we can't see the end of the path. But by faith, we believe that if we follow God and if we obey him in everything, then his path will always lead us onto paths of righteousness. His path will always lead us on the surest road to happiness. And hear me, it will lead us off and onto the exit ramp of suffering and trials and trouble if we obey him. And when that happens, obedience is not a burden, it's a blessing. In fact, obedience to God's commands are for our protection, which will lead us to overwhelming victory. And John ends by coming full circle, just like he started in verse five. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Let me leave you with these words of Jesus. They were actually in one of our songs that we sang um, today, Matthew chapter seven, verse 24, that great sermon on the mount. He closes his sermon with this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Do you have ears to hear this message? Is your heart open to receive this message? That if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in who he is, then you're born of God. And if you love God, then you will love others. And you love others by being obedient to his commands. And when we're obedient to his commands, our lives are blessed and we become a blessing because we're actually, all obedience is about other people, is about denying yourself. Everything in the scripture, every command in the scripture is all about this, deny yourself and serve other people. Your example is Jesus Christ. And Paul said in chapter two of Philippians, your attitude should be the same as that of Lord Jesus Christ, who did not hang on to his rights as God, but he, he left them, he dropped them in order to become a servant and obedient to his father and humble himself by taking on flesh and giving his life, sacrificially giving his life for people like you and me who are destined for hell without a savior. But he took the sin from us on the cross, he took the suffering, he took the punishment so that we can be saved. If you don't know the Lord, this is the message to you. God loves you. And he sent his son. 
fact, the scripture says that he demonstrated his love for you in this, that while you're still sinners, Jesus Christ came and died for you. That's how much he loved you. And my friends, he shows us the way. If we hear these words and put them into practice, then let the storms come. We can take on anything because we're obedient to his commands and we're loving and giving of ourselves in every way. I believe this year is gonna prove to be a really challenging year for our world and our church. We don't know what kind of storms are coming. We don't know what kind of the new word. Now, bomb cyclones are coming. You know, my whole life I've lived and never heard of a bomb cyclone, and now I've heard them all over the place. Bomb cyclones are happening everywhere. We don't know what we're going to encounter. We don't know what hardships we're gonna face. But here's what we do know. God has us here for such a time as this. I'm telling you, my friends, these things that we're seeing in the world, a lot has happened in one week. And these things that are happening, just they're just indicators. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, look up. Your redemption's right around the corner. This is the beginning of the birth pains. This is the beginning of it all. And I believe more than ever, we're living in that time. And we have been chosen to live in this time for such a time as this. He has chosen this local church and his entire church body. But he's chosen us to be his instruments to help this hurting world. One day Christ is gonna come back and sweep us all up and take us home. But until then, let's live worthy of our calling and the mission that he has given to us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To obey his commands by loving everyone so that we can influence the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing if President Biden got saved and his family, like the Philippian jailer, his whole family got saved and Hunter got saved. And the next two years, he began to lead this nation under the banner of righteousness. <laughs> can God do that? Amen. Absolutely God can do that. If God can take a murderer like Paul and meet him on a Damascus road somewhere and appear to him and say, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me and my church? And God could save a man like Paul, which nobody trusted at that time. He can save Joe Biden. He can save anyone in your life, that person that's hard to love, because our God can do anything he wants. And our God's the same as he always has been. And he's still saving people today. He's, he's doing miraculous things in people's lives today. Don't doubt it. Walk in it. Let's be obedient. I'm committing to it. I'm committing to praying for President Biden. I'm committed to praying for Nancy Pelosi. I'm committed to praying for everyone I have an issue with on Capitol Hill and everyone else in my world.
I hope that you'll join me. Let's stand together. and Let me pray you out. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you for the work that you've given us together to do, that you've pulled us together. And we get to do this as a family, as a unit. So thankful for that. I pray that as they go, that you'll bless them and that you'll keep them and that you'll make your face to shine upon them and give them peace. That you'll lift your countenance toward them and be gracious unto them and protect them from the attack of the evil one as we all go out from this place to live lives worthy of the calling you've given to us and that we will selflessly love each other and love those out in our world so that we can influence them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless us, Lord, as we go in Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Share some love on your way out. God bless you.